and welcome to Fourth Dimensions Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram. We have a PayPal account. If you are blessed by this ministry, we encourage you to give. Thank you so much. We encourage you just to dig into what God has for you and open your heart to receive from Him as we hear from Him tonight with Alex Parkinson. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. In Jesus' name. Wow, can we say amen? Amen. I feel such a sweet presence in here. And, um, oh, yeah, maybe uh, Siri wants to preach tonight. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'll set this somewhere. I'll set this here. Thank you, Lord. Wow, it feels great in here. How many of you can just feel the presence of God? Oh, I love it. This is like the air I breathe. It's so good. I feel like I'm in my living room just pacing back and forth. And <laughs> it's a, always a pleasure to be back. And um, just show me by, by a show of hands if I've not met you, if uh, this is your first time. Okay, great. Awesome. So a few of you guys, and that's one thing I love about coming here. It's always a fresh crowd, and um, you guys get to uh, meet me, and I get to meet you. And uh, my wife and baby are here, and I know Shay introduced us, but why don't you stand up again, hon? And this is uh, my wife Jordan and baby Zion. And, uh, I love them, and um, my wife and I will be married uh, for three years next month, and then Zion will be five months old. This next week, and so I uh, love it. It's good, and uh, this is uh, what my wife and I do full time. We get to love Jesus and love people on a regular basis, and uh, we travel the world and get to share the gospel with people, and we simply just share what God has done to us, and we can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. Amen. You know, we, we've witnessed God do amazing things, and here we are in a brand new year, 2020. And uh, I've just been reflecting a lot recently over the past 10 years, uh, over the past decade of what I've seen the Lord do and what I've been privileged and humbled to witness. And um, I've seen God do amazing, amazing stuff just in my young life. But here in 2020, I'm thinking not just of uh, a new year, but of a new decade. And uh, I've been thinking about the next 10 years. And in recent months preparing for this, I feel like the Lord has been speaking to me and really asking me a tough question, you know, and uh, it's a tough question, but it's not a, not a tough question at the same time. Uh, the question was to me from the Lord, he said, Alex, would you give me the next 10 years? You know, the past 10 years have been so incredible and I, I've seen amazing, amazing things from the Lord, but the Lord said this to me a few months ago. He said, 2020 is coming, and will you give me the next 10 years? And then he said this, he said, will you re-enlist in the army of the Lord? Oh my Amen. goodness. And you know what, we, we give Jesus our life, right? But when he says that to you, when he asks you that question, there's something on the inside of you that wants to make you sign up all over again and recommit. And this is about our life with God. And how many of you guys know, the Bible says that our life is just a mist. And then it's here and then it's gone. And my revelation has been that we have just one short life to burn for Jesus with everything that we have. We just have one 
tiny, tiny life that's really a drop in the bucket compared to all of eternity. And we have that life to, uh, to live for Jesus with everything that we have. And so the Lord said it this way. He said, I want you to re-enlist in the army of the Lord. And how many guys know church isn't about, you know, entertaining people. It's about equipping an army. It's about equipping uh, soldiers to, to become generals in the faith. Amen. And God wants to raise us up so that we would destroy hell and we would destroy the works of the devil just like Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. And I believe that there's a fresh charge here in this next, next decade just to recommit and give them everything over the next 10 years. And amazing things are already starting to take place. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about what's happening in Brazil, but uh, there, there's an amazing, I don't even want to say stadium event because it's stadiums. They, they're actually doing three stadium events right now simultaneously in Brazil, and they're all packed out. Brazil's like super hungry for Jesus right now. Yeah. And the power of God's moving so strongly. I just saw today on our way here that the president of Brazil was born again just today. Oh, in oh, wow. Oh, wow. Come on. That's amazing. That's not just winning a city. That's winning a nation. Come on. When presidents and kings are hearing the word of the Lord and, and getting born again and their lives are changing. Come on. How many of you guys will believe for that in this yes. country and in the nation? Yes. God's going to start reaching the hearts of kings. Come Amen. on. And so amazing things are happening. And um, and my wife and I, we've uh, you know, had a lot of excitement, but we started the year off a little rough. Um, I don't, those of you who follow us online saw that my wife and I were in an accident a couple months ago. And it was really scary, actually. We were on our way back to Nashville, where we live, um, from North Dakota. We were seeing Jordan's family for Christmas, and there was news that there was going to be a snow blizzard that comes, which is, you know, pretty regular in North Dakota. And, uh, and so we wanted to get out before the blizzard came. That way we weren't stuck for, like, two weeks. And so we started to make our drive back to Nashville, and we were about 20 minutes away from our hotel. And uh, it started pouring freezing rain, and it made the roads turn into an ice rink within minutes. And long story short, no one could stop. And my wife and I were in a 40-car pileup with our baby. And uh, we were rear-ended twice. And no one could stop or do anything about it. And uh, we, we, were, we were just shook it up. It was crazy, and, and especially because we had Zion there in the back. And so we were able to pull off and you know, check Zion out. And he was totally fine. I was totally fine. Unfortunately, my wife hit her face off of the steering wheel and mm. broke her nose. But thankfully, you know, it wasn't crooked or mm. in an out of place in a way where she didn't have to get it straightened out. It'll heal on its own. Thank you, Lord. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the enemy mm. tried to take our life. Mm. There were many uh, fatalities that morning. We were just in a 40 car, but there were actually 412 car accidents that same morning there in Minneapolis. And uh, I remember we were getting in the ambulance to take Jordan to the hospital, and I was opening up my Facebook to, you know, share so that people could pray for us and pray for Jordan. And um, I saw this memory on my Facebook from three years prior to that very day where I had written um, a post that said that it was, it was all about Isaiah, uh, or not Isaiah, uh, Psalms chapter 91, which is, which talks about uh, being hidden in the shadow of the Lord's wings. And the Lord uh, led me to write this post three years ago, and it said, yielded ones are shielded ones. Mm. Yes. And those who pray are protected. 
And it was three years to the day, and it was such an encouragement to me that the Lord has us covered and that I've got a lot to fulfill. And since then, there's been this you know, heavy burden in my heart to go full on for Jesus, but it's not come easy. It's been with a lot of attack and a lot of opposition. And uh, I, I recently just went to the Philippines, and um, I, I'm going to share some testimonies, but I just got back just a week or so ago from uh, ministering all throughout the, the Philippine Islands. But when my friend and I were landing in the Philippines, our, our right rear tire of the plane uh, landed first. And, and if the pilot would have committed, our wing would have dug right into the ground and we would have crashed. And so our pilot, as soon as the wheel touched the ground, he lifted back off and we had to take a lap to land again. And uh, that will make you pray in tongues. Hallelujah. <laughs> 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 Me and my friend. And we landed smoothly, and then my friend put his hand on my shoulder and said, we got some prophecies to fulfill. It'll be okay. And so, <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. When God says yes, it doesn't matter that what the enemy tries to do. You're covered and you're protected and you belong to him. And so, but uh, God's doing amazing things, and there's some tension in the spirit realm. And I believe that 2020 is going to make the devil mad. I believe that many of you are at this point where there's a lot of tension, and, and you're right at that place of breakthrough. And you feel like the enemy's coming in hot, but God's here with a breaker anointing to thrust you into something new. And uh, I can just feel it in the air. I don't know if you guys have been sensing it or feeling what I'm feeling. But I can just sense something happening in the air. It's like it's just here. It's like just resting above us. Amen. 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 But I've got a lot in my heart, and I, I do want to be time sensitive tonight because we've got a lot of things we're going to do. We're going to just shake it and move it. Amen. Yeah. But um, thank you, Lord. <laughs> uh, I just want to share just a little bit, just as I open up, about my trip to the Philippines. God was doing amazing stuff, and I could share a lot of different stories of miracle testimonies and people who were encountered. I went to several churches, but I also had the privilege, and I think this is what I was really sent to Manila to do, but uh, I had the privilege of preaching inside of a prison. And uh, I'd never preached in a prison before. Um, I've been a part of prison ministry here in the States, but that was as a worship leader. I just, you know, sang some songs and everyone else did their thing. But I got the opportunity to preach in this prison and I didn't know what it was going to be like because prisons have rules and, you know, and I didn't, I just didn't know what to expect. Well, I get there and they kind of give me the rundown of all the, all the, uh, you know, protocols and things like that. They tell me I've got like an hour, we're going to play a song, then we're going to introduce you and then... And then you're going to, you know, do an altar call or whatever at the end. And they give me this, this time frame. And I said, okay, cool, no problem. And they didn't really tell me what I was allowed to do or not do still. And so I was up there and I was kind of waiting for the end because at the end I commit to praying for people. You know, that's just what my wife and I commit to doing. When we minister, we don't just talk. We, we do the stuff too, amen? amen. Because the world doesn't need talk. I can come up, to, up here and, and preach to you the most amazing message, but you're not going to remember my message. You're going to remember the touch from Jesus. Come on. See, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but is in power come and administration. Yes. Amen. Yes. We've got a lot of people talking, but not many people doing. Yes. And so I said, you know, I can come share my testimony, but I'm more interested in that contact between me and them where we, we grant an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come upon the prisoners. And so I preach, and as I'm preaching, or, or I should back up and say, before I even got the mic, I prayed, Lord, just encounter them. You do what you do. Just encounter them. Fall upon them, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. in, in Acts chapter 10, 
verse 42, it says that while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit came upon all those listening. So I said, Lord, do that here. And lo and behold, I began to preach, and I wasn't preaching anything spectacular. It wasn't, you know, a real, you know, eloquent message or anything. But as I'm preaching, these grown men, these prisoners started weeping. Mm. And the Spirit of God was touching their hearts, and they started crying and weeping. And at the end, I, I gave an opportunity to respond to the gospel, and we had 40 decisions for Christ there in the prison. And then I was like, okay, what do I do next? And the warden of the prison, he said, go pray for them. So there's a crowd about this size in the prison, and they actually let me go lay hands on them and release the power of God and pray for them. And if I could just brag on the Lord for a minute, and I'm not bragging about me or my own authority or my own power, but God started laying all these grown men out on the floor, and they're shaking in the power of God. And crying. Come on, can God invade the prison cell? Can God come into the prison? That's where. See, the thing is, is that like those people need the Lord. They need. They, many of them feel forgotten, and that's the place where we ought to go. They need the, we, need, we all need the love of God, but man, the, those people felt forgotten, and it was so special for them to just have someone come and share something with them. And so they were blessed, and God started coming upon them and encountering them. And uh, I felt glad to share that, because I just believe that this is a season, or a, or a time, if you will, where God is going to begin to increase encounter in our services and in our midst. I feel like... It's almost like this sovereign wave of the Holy Spirit is going to begin to crash into our meetings where it's like not even about the preacher. It's not even about the worship. But it's just about God coming and being God. And if we were to ask God to just be himself, what would that look like? It would probably look like him just coming down on the place and having his way in our hearts. And so this has been... You know, in my spirit for a while, I feel like God's going to do something tonight. Like, like he's just going to show up. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. And let me tell you, you know, God doesn't need warmed up. You know, he doesn't need a few songs in the sermon. He doesn't, he doesn't even need me. He's not like us where we need warmed up, you know. He, he's ready. <laughs> and uh, But there's something about encounter that's important. The thing about Christianity, the thing about this Jesus and this gospel that we're talking about, if we were to, you know, look at it and examine it, what makes it different than all of the other religions and all of the other faiths? And I'm not here to bash any other faith or any other religion. I'm just here to point out a distinction. We could come up with several differences, but the main thing is that Jesus is alive. Amen. Our Jesus, when he was buried, he didn't stay buried. The resurrection is what sets Jesus apart from any other deity and any other God. Jesus was resurrected, which means he's alive. And the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's seated in heavenly places as Lord right now. And so Jesus comes into our midst. And it's that, that place of encounter that separates us from everyone else. Because when we talk about our Jesus, our Jesus comes into the room. Come on. When we preach about the king, the kingdom comes. Hallelujah. Yes. And so there's something about the gospel. When we start talking about the gospel of the kingdom, when we start talking about Jesus, where heaven just comes and backs it up. And it makes my job easy because I don't have to do it. And I, I don't have to make it happen or try to manufacture it somehow. I, don't, I, I, honestly, I honestly don't know how to heal the sick. I, don't, I honestly don't know how to 
you know, get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Or I, I, I'm not very persuasive, honestly, in the natural. I don't know how to convert someone, but the Holy Spirit does. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the Bible says this. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. Mm-hmm. Now, think about this. Jesus himself said that no one can come to the Father unless they come through the Son. So why is it, what, what is it about the Holy Spirit? What, what is it about His ministry in the earth? If no one can come to the Father except the Spirit draw them, and if we know that Jesus is the only way to the Father, then that means the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus so that any person that receives Jesus can come to the Father. So Holy Spirit just wants to make Jesus known. And when he comes, he brings revelation of who Jesus is and what he's like. And he dismantles every lie of what religion taught us Come as on. far as who he is. And, and, and oh, oh, Jesus, you know, he, I won't even go there. But <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying. Encounter is what separates us. God wants to touch you. And, and I'm going to tell you, God's not far away. God's not distant. And, and there's something about when God's hand is put on your life that makes the difference. Because, you know, you all have this knower on the inside of you. It's your, it's your spirit. We all have this knower on the inside of you. And sometimes you just know that you know that you know that God has changed your life. And maybe I'll get into my story of how I knew that 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 Jesus was real and he came into my life. Maybe here in a minute. But I'll tell you this first. I am who I am because of another man's encounter. You guys listening to me now? You guys okay? Mm-hmm. I am who I am because God first touched another man. And if God hadn't touched that other man, I don't even know where I'd be. See, there was a man when I was younger. I was a young teenager. Grew up skateboarding. And, um, you know... There was this other skateboarder who was really popular. He was older, young adult. Everyone looked up to him. Everyone thought he was amazing because he was the best skateboarder in town. And uh, he was real influential. He just had this leadership thing on his life, even though he was a mean guy. Um, he was real influential. And this guy, I won't say his name, he actually uh, started dabbling into Satan worship. He became a Satanist. And so because of this influence on his life, he started, you know, getting other people into Satanism. And he was just, you know, this mean guy. I remember I cut him off at the skate park, and he, he looked down at my skateboard, and he just broke my board and threw it over the fence. I was like, man, this guy's a jerk. <laughs> and, but he, he was, you know, the guy, right? Well, there was this woman who's now a spiritual mom to me, uh, and she, she's a spiritual mom to many in my hometown. She was witnessing to him. She was trying to show the love of Jesus to him and he would always reject her and he got so mad at her that he actually started this club called the I Hate Jesus Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, real cool, right? And anyway, he, he started this club and, and here's this guy, you know, he's a Satan worshiper and he's struggling with many different things, you know, he's just broken. He has his you know different issues in his life, but the, the byproducts of those issues is that he turned to drinking, he, he turned to drug addiction and started getting into that lifestyle. Well, long story short, this man was in his apartment, and he was overdosing from drugs, and he was, you know, about to die. And in that moment, he remembered Nancy, our spiritual mom, who witnessed to him, and the last resort was to call upon Jesus. 
Well, as soon as he called upon Jesus, Jesus walked into his room, bodily form. He comes into the room, and he puts his hand on his shoulder. And as soon as he put his hand on his shoulder, he was instantly delivered mm. from drug addiction, instantly delivered from alcoholism. He didn't want to sleep with his girlfriend anymore. He didn't even want to smoke anymore. He didn't have an appetite for any of the things that were, were currently in his life. He renounced Satanism and started a Bible study at, at the skate park. And a week after this experience, he comes to the skate park and he's glowing. Wow. Like it, his, his face is shining and there's light in his eyes now. Oh, and he looks God. at me and he says, you want to go to a Bible study? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't. And he's like, they're on pizza. And I said, I'm coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. I went for the pizza, but I stayed for the love. You know, it was awesome. We, we had an organic move of God happening at the skate park where all these skater kids were getting saved and, and touched by the power of God. And this wouldn't have this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for one man's encounter. Come on. And what I'm trying to say to you is that God will will liberate you to make you a liberator. Come on. Yes. That God will encounter you so that you become a walking encounter to the That's world. That's right. Yes. And really, it's not just about you and your experience. It's about you being so set on fire that you become contagious and light the whole world on fire. Yes. Thank you, Lord. scripture to you guys. This is one that the Lord put on my heart. And um, if you don't have a Bible, it's okay. You can just listen. But I'm in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And I'm going to read a couple translations of this. This is what the Lord put on my heart. It says, it was for freedom. I'm in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. And do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Thank you, Lord. The Passion Translation says it like this. It says, let me be clear. The Anointed One has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and, and, and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Thank you, Jesus. I love the way this is worded. Because it doesn't just say, you've been set free. Thank you, Jesus. It says, it is for freedom that you've been set free. It explains why you were set free. The purpose of your freedom. It doesn't just say, you're free, now enjoy your freedom on your own little island and isolate yourself to the world. It doesn't say, oh, you're free now. Thank you, Jesus. Now go hide in your prayer closet and thank him for all of your days. It says, it is for freedom that you've been set free. Hallelujah. Hmm. The purpose of your freedom is so that freedom becomes all becomes a substance that's all over your life. So much so that you become an agent of freedom everywhere that you go. See, the thing is, is that God will touch an area of your life. And what's amazing is that area that you once struggled in all of a sudden becomes an authority you walk over. So you may be plagued and attacked in one area of your life, but it's actually because you're called to, to expose and destroy that thing on other people's lives. I remember I used to be so wrapped up in pornography and in, in lust, and this was a huge battle in my whole life. I discovered pornography when I was a little boy, and I, like many other people in the world, if you look up 
people's stories of uh, pornography addiction, almost every time it's because they found it when they were a little kid and it became a stronghold in their life over the years. And I remember feeling so gross and so ashamed of this, this thing. Even, you know, after becoming a Christian, after giving my life to the Lord, after, you know, all of this stuff. And I'm not going to go into my whole story. But I remember feeling so ashamed of this. And, and I battled it for so long. But it wasn't until I got a revelation of my name. My name, Alex, actually means protector of man. And God gave me a revelation through my name that I'm not called to be a predator. I'm called to be a protector. Mm. And that when it came to women, I'm not called to treat them like objects. I'm not called to see them through the eyes of lust. I'm called to see them through the eyes of a protector. And God gave me a sense of identity where he showed me that part of my purpose in life is to train men to walk in integrity and walk in purity and, and to see a pure revolution. Hallelujah. Testimony, and then, and then I've, I've got one last thing, and then we'll wrap up and, and minister and pray for everyone, okay? I remember uh, years ago, I was leading evangelism <laughs> inside of a shopping mall. And uh, for those of you who don't know me and how I do ministry in public, I, when I was in the mall, that doesn't mean I was, you know, holding up a sign and condemning people in the mall. I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not for that stuff. I, I'm talking about living a life of compassion. You know, being Jesus to people, offering prayer, just blessing, praying for the sick, prophesying over people. Uh, that's what I, I do, and that's what I teach other people to do. And so I was actually leading a team in, in the mall to pray for people. And sometimes you have good days, and sometimes you have bad days, you know, where no one wants anything you have to say, and they just reject you, and some people even laugh at you, and, and, and it's really humbling. And... One day, we were out, and we usually do about a two-hour outreach, and that whole time, we were just rejected. We didn't pray for one person, and we just felt so little, and we were about to leave, but I had a friend with me who was a tattoo artist, and he noticed um, he noticed uh, a man who had come into a shop and got tattooed just a week ago. And yes, you can be a Christian and have tattoos, amen? Amen. Mm -hmm. Tattoo, tattoos are expensive. But yeah. anyway, good tattoos are expensive. <laughs> no, anyway. Uh, so he had this guy, you know, who, who had just come into his shop. And so he's talking with him. And he says, hey, man, you know what? We're out praying for people. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And uh, he didn't name anything specific, but he was open to receiving prayer. So we just, you know, laid our hands on the guy. And, uh, you know, a few minutes go by. And all of a sudden, this guy starts sweating profusely. Like he's just dripping sweat. And it's the weirdest thing ever. And, and he starts to smell. Like it's, it was actually really gross. And he's a big guy. He was tall. He's a big guy. And he just started sweating profusely. And it was so weird. And we just wrapped up prayer. And he was like, oh, that felt good. Thanks, guys. And just walked away. <laughs> and we we're like, okay, you know, like. Awesome. And, and we left discouraged. We left thinking, well, you know, we went to the mall for two hours and prayed for a guy and he got sweaty. 
Praise God. <laughs> That's awesome. What is your ministry about? Well, I pray for people and they sweat. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, <laughs> but a couple weeks go by, and uh, my friend comes to me uh, at the outreach a couple weeks later, and he says, man, you won't believe the message I got this morning. And I said, what happened? He said, you know that guy that we prayed for at the mall and he got all sweaty? I was like, how could I forget? <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, he messaged me, and I didn't know this about him, but he, he told me that he used to struggle with heroin addiction, but when we prayed for him, he believes he was detoxed wow. and he's not touched it since. Oh. <laughs> he said, I don't have an appetite at all to touch heroin, and, and all I can trace it back to was when you prayed for me and I started sweating. Wow. Come on. Oh, Say just wow. one touch. Just one touch from the king will change everything. Listen, the devil will try to make you believe that it takes some long process and that sometime in the distant future you'll receive your breakthrough. He wants you to believe that it's just in, the, in a futuristic thing that's going to take place where maybe one day you'll get your miracle. Maybe one day you'll finally be set free. But my friend, I'm going to tell you that's a lie. Right. The enemy wants you to believe that you've expired the grace of God and that you've worn it out and you've just done too much. And maybe, you know, yeah, he forgave me the last time and the time before, but this time now I've crossed the line. Come on, how many of you, how many of you that's speaking to? You've struggled time and time and again and you say, God, I'll never do it again. But then you go do it again and, and you feel shame and, and the cycle continues. And the enemy wants you to believe that you'll never be free. You'll never break out. That was me. I told the Lord, Lord, I'll never watch pornography again. And then next week, wouldn't you believe it? And I'd go to him in shame and I'd, I'd just say, Lord, you know, uh, you, you know, Lord. And <laughs> you already know the Lord, amen. And, uh, <laughs> but, but there is a place in the Lord. The Bible says it in John chapter 8 that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There is a place in the Lord. There's a dimension of freedom. There's a grace that is suspended over every person in this world. That that and it's like a it's like a it's like a rain that's ready to just outpour on our lives. That will set us free once and for all. We serve a, a, a Jesus who is not climbing back on the cross every time we make a mistake or sin. When he died, he breathed his last breath and he said, "It is finished." Amen. And when he said it is finished, he meant it, it is finished. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father once and for all. And he's paid the price and he's made a way for you to enter into that once and for all reality. It's awesome. It is awesome. Come on. <laughs> Amen. And so there's a freedom that we can enter into. And God wants to touch our lives and he wants to give us an encounter. But there's also a place where we surrender everything. And we just give him everything. Can I share with you one more parable, one more story? Then we're going to transition. Hopefully I'm okay on time. All right. We're good. We're good. This is, a, this is a parable, not in the Bible, but actually one that I had heard from a man named Reinhard Bonnke. How many of you guys have ever heard of Reinhard? Reinhard was a German evangelist called to Africa, and he recently just passed away after a long life of ministry and and uh, because of his ministry they won almost 79 million souls to the Lord in Africa 
If you ever watch the videos on YouTube, they're like these massive crusades where like an entire nation shows up. And uh, anyway, this is a, a, a parable that I heard listening to Reinhard Bonnke once. And I thought this was, this, this touched my heart and spoke to me. And uh, in this next section, I'm preaching to me. I need you to hear me tonight. I'm a, I preach full time, but oftentimes I preach to myself. But there's a parable of a young man and he's rich. He's very wealthy. And this man buys a house. And this is a mansion. It's a, it's a massive mansion that has 10 rooms in it. And here he is in his house and he gets a knock on the door. And when he answers the door, he's amazed to see that Jesus is standing outside the door. And he's radiant. He's amazing. He's holy. And the Bible says that uh, in Revelation chapter 3, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Anyone who answers and receives me, I'll come in and dine with him. And so this man sees Jesus and he says, Jesus, I'm, I'm amazed to see you here. I know that you're a savior. I know that you're a deliverer and a healer. Would you come in? Would you be my guest? And he welcomes him in. And, and, and Jesus says, wow, this is a nice place. And he said, yes, I'm so honored that you're here. Jesus, would, would you stay with me? And in fact, Jesus, would you live here? Would you want to live at my house? And the man proceeds to say, I've got a master bedroom upstairs. And it's the biggest room in all of the house. It has a great walk-in bathroom. It's got an amazing uh, window where you can see all of the city. He said, I want you to have that room. And so Jesus is a gentleman and he says, all right, thank you, I will. And so he's staying at the man's house. Well, that night, the man gets a knock on the door. And it's really loud. It's like, you know, loud thumping on the door. And he goes to peek out the window to see who's at his door, and it's Satan. So Satan's at the man's door, and the man just cracks the door open a little bit because he doesn't want to let Satan in. He says, Satan, I know who you are. You've come to kill, steal, and destroy in this, in this world, and I know that you you want to bring people into bondage. I, I, I'm not going to let you know. But the problem was, as soon as he cracked the door open, Satan stuck his toe in the door. And how many of you guys know that's how it happens? We just open, we just crack the door a little bit to Satan. We give him an inch and he takes a mile. Because you better believe Satan, he stuck his little toe in the door. Next thing you know, his knee's prying into the door. Then his shoulder, and next thing you know, he's broken in. And he's attacking the man tormenting the man all night. The man can't even stand a chance against Satan, and he's just being tormented all night, and when the sun rose up, Satan slipped out the back door, and about that time, Jesus comes walking down the steps. And the man's all tired and frustrated. Jesus, where were you? And he's freaked out because he was tormented all night. And Jesus says, well, I was, I was upstairs, and I was in, I was in that room. I, 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 I was just up there. And the man was frustrated, and he said, well, you see, I just have this one room in your house, and I, I was all the way upstairs. I didn't even know what was going on. And he said, all right, well, well all right, Jesus, I'll cut you a deal. I'm going to give you five of the rooms upstairs. You can have the entire upstairs all to yourself. 50-50. Half of the rooms are yours, half of the rooms are mine. And Jesus is a gentleman. So he says, thank you, I will. And so later that night, there's a knock on the door again. 
And guess who it was? It was good old Satan. And Satan is there again, and he busts through the door again, attacks the man, and torments him all night. And he slips out the back door, just like he did before. And then Jesus comes down, and the man says, Jesus, he came again. And he's frustrated. And he's like, Jesus, where were you? And Jesus says, well, it's, I was upstairs. You see, I have, I have this whole upstairs area, too. But, but you have ten rooms in this house. And so the man, you know, he's upset, but he says, all right, Jesus, I'll tell you what. You can have all the other nine rooms. All the other nine rooms to yourself. I'll just take this one room to myself where I'll sleep. And, uh, you know, Jesus, I need to let you know that this room is private, that there are, there are adult things in this room, you know, that, you know, I don't let people see. There are places in this room, you know, things in this room that I don't let you know, my guests see. So you can have all these nine rooms and I'll have my room. So Jesus is a gentleman. And he says, okay. So the same thing happened again that night. Satan comes and torments the man. And Jesus comes down and the conversation continues and Jesus finally says this. He says, how about this? How about instead of you owning this house, you give me the keys to this house, and you become my guest. How about instead of you owning all of these rooms and, and keeping that one room to yourself, how about I own the house, you become my guest, and you live with me? And, and he was like desperate, so he said, I'll do anything, Jesus. Here, you can have the keys, You can. You. can. this is your house, here's the title deed. And so Jesus said, thank you. And now it's Jesus' house. So that night, Satan comes knocking on the door, and the man gets up, and he runs down there, and he goes to open the door, and Jesus says, hey, what are you doing? And he says, I'm, I'm going to open the door. He says, this is my house. I'll open the door. So he opens the door, and Satan sees that it's not the man, but it's Jesus. And he starts to cower back, and he gets up down on his, on his hands and knees, and he starts to quiver and shake. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's looking at the house number, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's like, I, I must have the wrong house. Come on. you got to understand that when you own the house, you're responsible to protect it. When you own your house, you're responsible to provide for it. When you own your house... You're responsible to clean it. But when you give Jesus your house and you become a guest of his, he protects it. He provides for it. Amen. He cleans it. Yes. It's no longer you clean yourself up and open yourself in It's no longer you doing the maintenance. Come on, I rent and I have a landlord. See, the thing is, is if I own a house, then if the roof leaks, I have to fix the roof. But I, I, I rent a duplex, and whenever my roof leaks, I just call my landlord and I say, yo, homie, your roof's leaking. <laughs> and he takes care of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> but the question is, is Jesus your Lord? Because so often we call Jesus our God, but we, 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 fail, to see that, we fail to see that he wants to be Lord. For him to be Lord means that he's master 
over your life and no, that doesn't mean that he's a dictator and that he's just seeking to control you. What that means is that he owns the house. And there's something about when we surrender everything, not, not give him one room, not give him 50-50, not even 90%. Jesus wants every room in the house. He wants to take up all the space. And when he owns the house, then it's up to him. And it's no longer your power. It's no longer your strength. When you surrender everything to Jesus, that's when the free indeed begins to activate. That's when you enter into the once and for all. But oftentimes we try to cling on to the old man while saying, yeah, I'm a new creation. I'm, I'm new in Christ. And we're, we're dragging this, this dead man around. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why we're slow in the faith and why, why it's taking us forever to, to get past this thing. And we wonder why we go around the mountain. Because we're trying to live with a double-minded standard. When one day we're a Christian and one day we're, we're, we're just partaking in everything else. And listen, I don't come here to condemn anybody. I'm preaching to myself. And I preach, you know... Listen, Martin Luther said this. He said, we have to preach the gospel every day because we forget the gospel every day. But tonight there's an opportunity to surrender and to re-enlist in the army of the Lord. There are people in here from many different backgrounds. Some of you have been serving the Lord for a long time. Some of you, you know, once served the Lord and you've ran away and you've drifted. Some of you have never even stepped inside of a church before. But no matter where you're at, I'm going to tell you that Jesus is here. His power is here. And he has... Oh, Jesus. He has the ability to set you free. And to fill your life to the point where it overflows and spills all over everyone you come in contact with. I wish I had more time to just share all the stories. But I want to do this. I want you guys to stand tonight. I'm going to ask um, the man to come up. We're going to just shift things. And I'm going to ask someone maybe to help move this together tonight. So we can create some space. Thank you, Jesus. Nope, easy.
from sickness, to begin to correct and straighten out body parts and, and to remove pain. But Father, we ask right now that you would begin to take hearts of stone and turn them into hearts of flesh. Hearts. I always do this first and foremost just so we, we put it in first place. The greatest miracle that could take place tonight is you becoming born again and you giving Jesus everything. You're 100%. That's right. And right now, I want to ask those of you who are listening to me, who were invited here, and this is your first time, maybe, it, maybe it's not your first time, but tonight could be the first time that you respond and you give Jesus your life. I want to give you an opportunity to publicly confess that Jesus is your Lord and to respond to Him, to receive Him, and to become born again. And listen to this, my friends. The Bible says that uh, when, if any man come into Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away, the new has come. This is an opportunity to have a fresh start to receive Jesus. So He puts a new nature inside of you, a nature that, that doesn't want to sin, nature that doesn't want to uh, live unholy or unrighteous, but a na new nature that craves righteousness and wants to be a child of God. How many of you guys are just ready for that tonight? Here's what I want to do. If you're here and the Lord's touching your heart, you want to respond to this. You want to surrender to everything. I just want to invite you to come up. To come up and, and respond to this. Come to the front. Because we're just simply going to pray for you. And here's what I want to say too, I know sometimes this can, you know, take a lot and it can, it can take a lot to respond and maybe there's some fear that holds people back from publicly receiving the Lord. But I want you to know first and foremost that you're welcome, that we just want to welcome you into the kingdom, we just want to love you, and there's already people coming forward, but right now, I want you just to turn to the person to the right or the left, I don't care how good looking they are, I don't care if they're wearing a suit, they look like a pastor. You turn to them right now, and you ask them, where are you with the Lord? Do you need a response to them? And if they need a little courage coming up, just come up with them. We have people already coming, but there's more that are going to come. Say, thank you, Lord. More are coming right now. And we just want to welcome you. Come tonight. If you want to receive Jesus and make him Lord, come right now. Shout there's a nice gap for those of you who have a come Thank you so much for tuning in to Fourth Dimensions Podcast. We speak blessings over you. If you have made a decision for Christ, we encourage you just to get with um, the nearest person you know that's full of the Holy Spirit and knows Jesus and walk with the Lord, read the Bible. Go to a spirit-filled church near you. If you're anywhere near Hopkinsville, Kentucky, come and visit us at 913 South Main Street in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. The second and fourth Saturdays of every month. Join us next time. Hello and welcome to Fourth Dimensions Podcast, where we just keep it raw and real and let God do the work. 
We've all just been radically delivered and saved, set on high, and just live to see the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, in the here and now. And now we're going to join with Sharon Stewart as she brings a raw beautiful testimony and word tonight be blessed and find us on facebook or instagram and so in paypal if you are led thank you so much and we love to have you join us sometime if you're in hopkinsville the second and fourth saturdays of every month at 6 p.m at 913 south main street be blessed thanks again for listening
Bible says that Paul was going on the road to Damascus and he said he knocked him off his beast. And a great light blinded him. See, what your, what your loved ones don't realize is God might smack them blind if they don't straighten up. Knock the world straight out of their eyeballs. But I tell them all the time, smack them. Smack them so I don't have to. <laughs> they wrong, but they know me. And especially if they see me rolling in a corner somewhere talking to the man I know. Oh God, help us all. When mom gets up, we've had it. Because you know what? I done learned how to be a Christian. I learned how to look like a Christian. See, I come from the mountains, y'all. They snake handlers up there. They are. They are. When I was 12 years old, they took me to a meeting. And you know what? The first man they packed out Stone Cold Dan, I said, I said, look, there had to be something better than this. For real. Hey, I was enjoying the show for a few minutes. I stood up on the back of you and was looking all over everybody's head. They were slinging rattlers all over the place at fast time. And it one hung right into a man and he just politely went over on the pew and he went. I said, I think there might be something wrong with him. And here about four men packed him out. How much nonsense? I don't even got time. Spring it up into everlasting life. I got a well and it won't run 
can't, just give me a few minutes. I'll get to you. I was reading the post. They said, we're praying for revival. I thought, well, I guess I'm so okay if that's what you think. I said, you know what? We had the well just from the dirt well. That's all they had to do. You had to have something to draw with. And it's Jesus. We have the power in the name of Jesus. Jesus was sitting around one day. And he started asking the disciples a question. He said, and he talks to him. He says to Peter, he says, Simon Barjona, he said, whom do men say that I am? Peter said, some say that are John Baptist. Some say you're one of the old prophets. Jesus stopped for a minute and said, Who do you say that I am? You can't talk about that unless you know what you're talking about. And if there's anybody in here that don't know what I'm talking about, I dare you to come to the well tonight when we're ready. Because you're going to tap into something that's going to make you free. Change is going to fall. Because we're going to be saying something a little different. We're going to be saying from the foundation that he's brought some of us from a mighty long way. When we say, Jesus, we're going to be talking to the water walker. When we say, Jesus, we're going to be talking to the blind man killer. When we say, Jesus. He said, who do you say that I am? Now, Jesus had not been crucified because, you know, he was crucified. He said, if I don't go, then I can't send the comforter. He did tell me, he said, you know, he said, I'm going to be gone and the world's not going to see me anymore because they don't know me. He said, but you, you know me because I'm going to be in you. And when he turned to ask Peter, who do you say I am? You know, I bet if, if I knew somebody in here that had had a hard, hard life, even if they didn't, hadn't gave their life to the Lord yet, if I asked them, should you be alive right now? Um, when nobody was looking, chances back from the dead did you get he thought I was worth saving you're worth it your mommy and daddy might not think you're worth it life might have dealt you a bad hand and you know most of our issues is not even our fault anybody ever feel like laying in your back like a two year old and saying it ain't I've been mad, sad, and never which way to loose. Yeah, I got mad at God once, twice, but 
I know who he is. And I know he loves us so much that he's wanting a few people in this service to cry out differently tonight. He's wanting you to get a hold of heaven. Not just J-E-S-U-S, the letters. He wants you from the pit of your soul, whether you're in desperation or not, whether you're in need of a healing or not, whether you are saved or not, he just doubled off down you to say, Jesus! Peter says, right among all the rest of them who didn't know him like that, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, When my kids are setting ways to crazy, that are the Christ. When I don't even know, Lord, if they can even be reached, I find myself saying, God, it seems like they are so far away. They can't hear me. They don't care what I got to say about them. The Lord told me three days ago, he said, I knocked a man off of his knees. He said, I'll show up and knock that boy coming to the man. He said, you're going to see me blind him. Not many days. You want somebody to know that tonight? Not many days. How long has it been? Not many days. Because we're going to say his name a little bit different. We're going to ask Jesus. 
Yeah. Hey. 
y'all's good strong boys, men. Give Rocky my stuff and y'all move that if you want to. You know, I, I was never in some hard places, but I was in hard places that I thought there were no coming back from. And I, after making it to the street, I even come in contact with a few people who told me I ought to settle down. Um, and you don't gotta act like that. You don't have to be that radical. It don't have to go that far. Well, I beg to differ. Because here's what I said.
lots of chickens. Come on. There we go. There we go. Could I get you guys to make a couple laps around this building? Just not run. No, no, man, you'll kill us all. Just walk. You Jesus wasn't in no hurry. Right?